Nose cam. Nose of the car. Not, not the driver. No. <laughs> That's oh. a shame. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Should be nose of the driver cam. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if it was like a first-person shooter, but instead of seeing the gun at the bottom of the screen, you just see the nose poking out. <laughs> More realistic. <laughs> yeah. We can all see our own nose, right? Well... Andretti is assume, assuming we're assuming he's Italian, so mm. he probably has a big nose. Mm. Is that an Are Italian you being thing? Racist? Is that right? Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. Racism requires prejudice, right? So I would have to hate all Italians because they had big noses. Mm. That would be racist, right? I guess. Yeah. But I don't. I don't hate people with big noses. So mm. just to say that, well, that'd be it. A would be a stereotype. Then you'd hate me, and it that. wouldn't be racist or prejudiced. Because <laughs> we both have big noses. Yeah, yeah. I never noticed it before. <laughs> it's right here in the middle of my face. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in front of all of our eyes. Well, no. I don't get it. In front of your eyes. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> Thanks for explaining. Welcome to Game the System Podcast, episode 35. Hang on a second. This isn't Mark's voice. No, that's right. We recorded for so long last time that what was going to be two episodes became three. So now I'm doing the intro. Uh, so what does he say? This is a podcast about people that play and um, games and things like that. Uh, it is now the 17th of March, 2019, but this episode was recorded on the 2nd of March, 2019. The next voice you're going to hear is Mark, and the other voice is Matt, and this voice is me, John. Uh, yeah, why don't we talk about what we've been doing in games? Mm-hmm. Who would like to leap in and f- fill our brains with exciting stories of gaming adventures? I can. I oh, oh don't sound too excited. Well, I haven't been gaming much because, as I was saying before to you guys, all my stuff's packed away, right. and I've acquired a lot of games over the last mm. couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most games I've ever acquired between podcasts. Yeah. Um, but I haven't played any of them because my garage roof is falling down and it needs to be repaired. And it was mm. meant to be repaired last week, but then we were going on holidays and, and it got delayed. So hopefully it's going to happen this coming week and I'll be back in there and I'm going to set everything up and we're going to set up hopefully a studio setup that will stay set up so that we can perhaps do some streaming. Oh, that's exciting which would be news. fun. Mm. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I'd love to do uh, streaming more often. Yep. Mm. Yeah, so that should be, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed doing that stream with you guys. And I just like playing games with people who like playing the same games as I do. Mm. Um, that makes sense. I like doing the couch co-op thing, mm. which... Yeah, I'm thinking of getting a couch in there. That's we'll have useful to see. for a couch co-op. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, it'd, it'd otherwise be like rolling chair co-op or something. Rolling chair? Like, you know, there's rolling office, office chairs. chairs. 
Ah, <laughs> yeah. right. Actually, no, you guys, well, there'd be too... Yeah, anyway, we're getting too much into the detail. <laughs> too many weeds here. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, we'd have it all set up and that'd be fun. So that's the plan. I've got it all, it's all up in my noggin right. as to how it's going to be set up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I haven't been able to play many games because of that. It's all packed away in the spare room. Uh, but I have been playing one game. Ooh. Yes. I've been practicing, as you guys know, playing Galaga or Galaga. Galaga. Uh, because I want to try and beat Ben's high score at 1989. And when we say Ben at 1989, we mean the other Ben. Mm. Not the proprietor. No. Ben with one N. Huh? The proprietor is Ben, ben with, with one N. N. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Ben with two N's. Two N Ben. Uh, who Double-ended Ben. Has the high score of Galaga. Yes. At currently. 1989 currently. Um, the proprietor of uh, MacArthur Square Game Traders. Mm. Mm. We won't mention... Uh, how he got the high score, his strategy. He kind of just did. Just that he did. Uh, You've already called into question. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He used a, stra- a special strategy, which, you know, mm-hmm. um, may be something that some people do. Mm-hmm. I, I, it is something that some people I'm do. I'm not using that strategy. I'm. Are you saying you're better than that strategy? Uh, no, I just think I can do it without it. Right. You're using a different strategy. And if I can, I'm going to enjoy rubbing it in Ben's face. Right. Until he beats your score by using his strategy. Well, it's still... I'll still consider it... I'll be annoyed and frustrated (laughs) if and when he does that, which he probably will. But uh, (laughs) I'll still have my own personal victory of beating his score. Hmm. I don't think it's that that great of a score, like that high of a score. No, it's not huge. And... To be fair, when I, when uh, he did that score and I was there watching him, um, he kind of let it go at the end there. Oh, he, okay. he just wanted to get over oh, the current score right. on the chalkboard yeah, and then, you know, can beat it again another time. Right. Because, um, you know, there's free beer on the line. Yep. So every time you beat it, you get a free beer. Mm. <laughs> it's not a bad strategy. So I'm working really hard to get this score mm. and... Uh, He's just going to go go and beat it just a little bit more to get another beer. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but using Ben's strategy, it's not a it's not a given that you're going to get a good score because I tried to do it and I failed. Ah, yeah. You just need to know the patterns. Hmm. That's all. And probably not have as many beers as I had. Yeah, yeah. that probably helps. Yeah, yep. sometimes. I mean, arguably, if you can afford to get to that that many beers to start with, you shouldn't be getting the free beer anyway, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) The rich get richer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, so I've been playing Galaga. Galaga. It's it's fun. Mm, It's a good game. There's a reason why it's a classic, well-regarded game, Mm. because it is. Yep. Hmm. But yeah, there's there's you learn the patterns and I'm getting to a stage now where I can destroy most of the ships on the way in. Um especially obviously if you have two ships it's much easier. Hmm. 
Um, so really now it's mostly about just keeping the two ships because as soon as you drop one, you have to try and get it back again. And mm. and you, you uh, have to give away a life to be able to get the double ships. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's... It's not necessarily a problem because you shouldn't be losing so many lives that you have to give it away. But yeah, there's a finite amount of time. It's really more about losing your second ship because that's when you're losing the life, really. Yeah. Um, and every time that happens, you you cut down your time you have to play the game, really. Because mm. um, once you get to a stage where, once you get to the harder levels, if you can't keep the double ship, it's very, very difficult, and it gets and it's over pretty quick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. They fire a lot of bullets, and they're very fast. Um, yep, and they swoop at you very quickly, and mm. and then also exit out the bottom of the screen, and then come back up again, and yep. yeah, it's, it gets pretty tough. So, yep. what is the score that you've been getting up to? Um, so, I can pretty consistently kind of get to hundred k, which, yeah, for experienced players, that's probably not that much. Um, and I, th- I think his score was around 120 something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So the other day I got 123. It was funny. I sat down, I played played that game. That was the first game I played, and then I got that score and I took a picture to show you guys. And I, then I played like two more games, and I just kept dying in stupid ways because mm. I was tired. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, ah, screw this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of how I've been playing it. Just like really short periods of time mm. i mean that's partly because of the baby like i guess that's why galaga's been really good because it's such a short yeah it's a good game player. for something like that yeah so i can sit down and have like two or three games mm. while i have 20 minutes while she's asleep <laughs> yeah and then uh because she yeah has like little naps but uh, yeah i've been doing that and um Finishing the challenging stages perfect gives you a lot more points too. Yeah, it definitely does. So that's a big part of getting the score because once you get to like, you know, level 13, 14, 15, 16, that's when it really starts to ramp up in difficulty. Mm. And if you can get the first three um, challenging stages perfect, by the time you get to like level 12, you'll already be on 100,000-ish. Right, but if you don't get them, you'll only be on like sixty thousand or seventy thousand. Oh, that's a big difference. Yeah, well, I guess they're worth ten thousand each, but then you also get the points from killing the ships. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah, so it is in, important if going after score to get those right. Although I think when you get to those really upper echelons of players, it's less important because yeah. they can survive so long yeah, that it almost right. doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I looked at the world record game and it's like 6 million points. Yeah. And that was last month, wasn't it? Um, that that score was beaten? Yeah, I think it was fairly recent. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember when you you put that in Twitter, the screenshot of the world record score, mm. and I looked at the date and it was like two days before you posted that picture. Mm. So someone had just beaten mm. the world record yeah i think it's a very popular game as far as classic games go mm. but also doesn't seem to be mentioned that much in those arenas like i've never heard anyone talk about it in like on um you know king of kong or anything or mm. 
I don't think I've ever heard of anyone talking about it, but obviously there's a lot of people playing it. Oh, yeah. When you look at Twin Galaxies. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that was a hugely popular game. So is your plan, well, we, we kind of have an idea of trying to get to 1989 after we record here. Mm. Is your plan to beat the score when we head over there? or I'd like to try. I'll see mm. how it go. It might take me a few goes. I mean, it'll take me, yeah. Because also, I'm not used to playing it on an arcade, So, because I've been playing it with a keyboard. Mm. Um, it shouldn't be much different, but I don't know what the differences might be like. Mm. So I'll have to... might take me a few goes to get used to it. And then... And then there's the pressure of us standing behind you and watching. Yeah, so then there's the pressure <laughs> factor of... I mean, it's such a huge factor. And like it is, I was saying to yeah. you guys at one point, you know, when I'm doing well, then I get all like nervous mm. and that makes me screw up mm. um and so yeah so the pressure factor might make it not work out it's also harder to focus because um generally people are talking around you yeah. and i mean i noticed that with um maxing out teenage mutant ninja turtles at 1989 so I think the previous high score on that was 400 and something. And that's just going through the game normally. Mm -hmm. But if you cheese it, I mean, this technique is not allowed in Twin Galaxies, but um, you can do this technique where you trap a guy and keep hitting his projectile over and over and over again. And usually, if if you're not progressing through the game, the game will drop a giant bomb on you and kill you. So you're you're forced to progress. But because you've trapped this guy in a particular way, the game assumes that you're still playing the game normally because mm. you're, you're killing stuff. Mm. And so you can just do this over and over again. But the thing is, the timing is really uh, tough because it, it changes. It's not like a beat or anything like that that you have to be on. Mm. Every now and again, the, the guy throwing the projectile will do a fake one. Huh. He'll do like a double Wow! and then throw it. So you, you're constantly adjusting the timing of when you need to press the button to hit the projectile. Um, and I found while I was doing that at 1989, people around me talking to me and saying, oh, you know, and I'm saying, you know, this is easy. I've done it many times before. But every time someone had talked to me and then I'd start talking, my timing would go off just uh, enough where I'd get hit or, yeah. you know, or, or something other thing would happen. So it took me a couple of goes, but I still did it. Yep. But, um, yeah, you just got that distraction of people talking to you and... Yep. You're in a different environment. Yeah. And with those games, yeah, it's... I mean, obviously, in particular, what you were doing because of the tight timing, but even with Galaga, like, you know, one wrong move and you lose one of your ships and then you have to try and reacquire Mm. your second ship again and that's the path to disaster. Mm. (laughs) You need to get, like, in the zone and I think, yeah, when you lose a ship, that can take you out of the zone. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see how you go. Yeah, hopefully I can This do afternoon. It. The other interesting thing I learned about that, about high scores in Galaga on this whole experience is, <laughs> is um, so the serious players play on player two. Ah, uh, so yes. So they put two coins in yeah, and they yeah. start the game two players and they play on player two. The reason why is because player two has one more digit in the score counter Mm. so you can't get over a million as player one you have to play on player two to get a score over a million really yep 
Yeah, it's it's a funny one because most classic games have that rollover feature where you go over a certain point threshold and you go back to zero, and that's fine. They just count it as you know, let's just say for example, one million plus two hundred thousand that you got when you rolled over. Yeah, but for the sake of just making it easier. They've just allowed it for people to play player two so that they can more easily keep track of their score, yeah. which is fair enough. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder why that limitation would be there. Yeah. yeah it's bizarre. From a technical perspective, that doesn't seem to make any sense. Why I player two it, would have an extra digit. I wonder if it might be not to do with the actual, that the maybe the digit's there, but it's not fitting on the screen or something. Yeah. Not necessarily about the number itself or the counter itself, but the graphical representation of it. I, I don't know. I'll have to look closely. <laughs> it sounds like it's up Matt's alley. It does sound like that. <laughs> we'll have to check that out this afternoon. Yeah. Well, mm. I don't need to play on player two because no, I'm not like you're not going to. But no. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like it. Matt or me? You or I? Um. <laughs> okay, fine. He's doing it. <laughs> yeah. He's taken the initiative. Well, you know. Them. In- someone's got to. Yeah, someone has to. People <laughs> offer things. That means me, right? Yeah. Oh, no, that's I, my alarm. I guess you guys, do you want to just talk without me or? No. <laughs> okay. That was such a decisive decision. <laughs> oh, this involves you. <laughs> oh. It makes me feel wanted. Oh, there you go. Matt's played a game. I played a game. Wow. The end. Okay, my yeah. turn. Again. <laughs> Again. So the story is when we were recording last time, mm. you randomly, John, is mentioned it Opus, out of nowhere. It's Opus Magnum. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing that up every podcast? I don't understand. He said I randomly mentioned a thing, and that's yeah. what it was. N- not quite. Uh. Well... So, I didn't think about this at the time, but must have planted something in my brain. Mm. Yeah. A few days later, <laughs> randomly out of nowhere, I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a new Zactronics game. Oh, is that the developer of that That's game? Up. Okay. So, it's related to Opus Magnum. They released another game already. Uh, apparently, they released it like in July last year. Wow. I just didn't know about right. it. That was quick. Because mm. wasn't Opus Magnum new, like uh, not that long ago? No, that was 2017, but I played it late as well. Oh, I see. I'm never, never on board for the yeah. new release. <laughs> what sort of gamer are you? <laughs> exactly. But I, I'm now on the Twitter. It's interesting so, that you so should I'll mention know, that. I'll know next time. Yes, you will. Perhaps. Yep. So this game is called... Oh, wait. Shall I go back? You kept then, reaching into a bag. Because <clears throat> I've got a show and tell. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is amazing because I've also got show and tell. I was almost going to have show and tell, but then I just decided not to worry about it. Yeah. Well. And it was on sale on Steam, so like instant buy. 
So what? Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you pull something out of your bag, yeah, you're talking about steam, yeah, and yet you're reaching into a bag. Yeah, these two things don't make any I sense know. together. Yeah, steam is okay, just well, steam is like steam. It's just <laughs> it's just round and it's yeah. It's like the cloud. You can't yeah. catch it. It's like no. How do you it how do you catch a cloud and pin it down? How do you solve a problem like we are? Yeah. <laughs> I'm slightly disturbed, but also still intrigued by what Matt's saying. Okay, so Zatronics, when Shenzhen IO came out, there was like the deluxe edition mm-hmm. where you, I don't know, you probably just get the game digitally, but you get the a binder with the, it's the instructions, it's the oh. data sheets and all the crap for the, it's not really a manual, but that's the manual. Hmm. It's like a physical version. Wait, how? You have to buy it and they send it to you. Right. Got it. So it's not part of just buying the normal game. No. It's like a separate add-on. Yeah. Optional. Yeah. But yeah. actually in the game, it's a PDF with all that stuff. It's right. the same material, but now you've got it. Hang on. Do so you on need? Steam, you can buy <laughs> physical games. No, you've got to go to the guy and say, you can okay, send it to right. me. That's, that's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. You go, guy, <laughs> send this to me. <laughs> that's basically what I do. <laughs> So oh, he's reaching I, in his bag. Oh, I have oh. The, the, wait, are you going to open it? He on? hasn't opened no, it I've already yet. opened it. Oh. Oh. Anyway, oh, by the game's called Exapunks. That's the way I mentioned it. Yeah. That sounds Exapunks. like a cool name. That's exciting. It's, it's, I um, like punks. It's about hacking. Oh. But um, you're hacking with nanobots. Hmm. So you, you program. So like physical <clears throat> hacking. Physical no. hacking? <laughs> Isn't a nanobot like a physical... Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. Is it just the... Or do you mean like a bot in a software sense? No, I think it is. Well, that's what it's... It's like the little... And it seems like that's what's happening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the premise is kind of like you've got... You've got a, some disease called the phage. Oh. And... That the, doesn't sound good I've at heard all. that being used as a... Oh, that's from Star Trek. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? No. There was a disease called the phage in Star Trek. Yeah. Anyway. So, so you've got a hack to get the cure or something like that, okay. your, your your treatment. Right. And then, you know, because I like these games, I also bought the... Oh, what was I saying? You hack, oh, you hack for... <laughs> I, I skipped around, didn't I? <laughs> that was my fault. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the story in the game. And this is the first one they've done that has voice acting. So there's cutscenes. Oh. And, like, yeah. So that's that's the new thing. But anyway, it's it's still a programming game. It's still like the the core thing, the same as what they've always had. Hmm. You there's the puzzle. You got to solve it with some programming thing. Yep. Hmm. In the most efficient way possible. Yeah. Well, yep. it's still got the three things: the the shortest runtime, yep. like all cycles, the the least code. Yep. And then something. There's three. I don't know. And so when you complete one, you get the histogram showing you where you've placed versus yep. the world. You were talking about the phage before <coughs> I rude, rudely Fa- interrupted yeah, so you. you. It, you've got a disease and you, you, you're doing these hacking jobs so that you can get the treatment. Hmm. I think that's what it is. Right. So you can purchase <coughs> the medicine. Yeah, it's like underground though. So they're, they're, it's not, you're not buying it. It's black market oh. medicine. So it's hmm. they're paying you directly with... The medicine, yeah, right. Cool. And um, a bit of a twist in it is that 
the at some point you're deploying the nanobots in your own body to fix the disease. Oh. Hmm. So they are doing something physical. Yeah. 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 They're it's in all there. about the physical. They're grabbing the cells and they're Yeah, but they're still like stuff. a computer. You you're, you're doing communication between nerves or something. You you're kind of reading a nerve over here and changing the values and then writing them to another nerve. Oh. It's kind of what's hmm. going on. Interesting. And we're talking organic material or is it? Well, the nanobots are like in your body. Okay, apparently part of the thing is the phage disease makes it so that you're more like, I don't know, you're more (laughs) more, uh, receptive to... Bots, I haven't finished the game yet, so I don't know the whole story. (laughs) Okay. It's but there's stuff going on. There's stuff going. You, you, maybe you're becoming a machine, but I don't know if that's what's happening. Like, right. okay, yeah, okay, becoming a machine. Mm-hmm. Well, that's questionably either good or bad. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So you have a thing in your yeah, lap. Yeah, because I mentioned the special edition for Shenzhen IO, and yeah. I got that for this one. I just decided yeah, I like the games enough, and yeah, yeah. I'm all for physical copies yeah. of games. And mm. it's a bit it's not the physical copy of the game because I got it on Steam and they, they don't sell the game any other way. Like this what? is the okay because it's like a hacker uh, community. This is like the supporting material. This is it's like the manual, but they're magazines. Oh, it's, cool. It's, oh, awesome. This is Trash World News issue number 1. <laughs> it's a game set in 1997. Nice. Mm. And so it's like this they're just articles about stuff, so is about there how to hack things, and oh, this cool. is basically the manual to teach you how to play. So it's kind of yeah, like right. it's almost like a, a strategy guide, to me. yeah, in a way. The exit issue, yeah. So that's issue one, and then partway through the game, you get it unlocks issue two, and it's this one. It's in an envelope, a bit similar. Oh, partway through the game, stickery. Yeah, so you have seal. that one at the beginning, and then yeah. this one partway. These are actually oh, so really get um, these in well produced. Yeah, it's kind of like a um, a zine, but yeah. it's not zine. Yeah, a zine magazine. Galago Galago. <laughs> but it's um more high quality printing than normally what you'd find in that sort of thing. Oh no, nanograms. Nanograms. Yeah. Yeah, but they sound the like games. magazines. So, you know, there's there's other there's a cooking article and there's Letters and stuff, you know, letters to the thingy and they reply. So at least, like, uh, you know, information that's probably not useful to the game, but maybe. I haven't read the whole thing yet, especially mm. issue two. This mm. is really There's cool. maybe some tricks in there that I'll learn from reading. Yeah. What I really love is the return to physical stuff Yeah. with digital games. Mm. I yeah. mean, it started being sort of like a... A very niche thing where some indie games would also produce a physical game because, I don't know, it got popular or whatever. But It seems to be coming more and more a thing now. Like there's people out there or companies or whatever like IM8Bit and stuff like that who produce limited run. There's also limited run games. Yeah. um, Who produce these limited sort of physical releases of games. It's cool. I really, really like it. Mm. So it's not like the game's in a box. It's just the material that mm. would have come with it mm. for us, I guess. Yeah, the feelies. Yeah. So I've also got stickers. 
And um, and then this thing. The stickers look cool. And this is something you only get if you got the the physical version. It's oh. the secret envelope. <laughs> do not open until instructed. And I have no idea what's in this. It's still sealed. Oh. So you, I'm guessing you have to get to some point throughout the game yeah. where that'll say yeah. open the envelope. Oh, that's really cool. So and I, I, if you didn't have this, I don't know what happens in the game. Like, <laughs> you just don't get whatever's inside. Mm. Yeah. So that's something that's, that's going to happen. That's really awesome. Point. Well, I guess maybe in the game, because you get PDF versions of these yeah. when you reach certain points. So yeah. That must be... I, I'm told that this isn't in a PDF oh, okay. in the game. So it is an exclusive. Yeah. Cool. I really like that idea. The thing that's awesome about this is that it's presented in a way that uh, is fluid with the experience of the game. Yeah. Mm. As in, it's like you have to read this and find the clues and the instructions that are in the, in the you know, the, the newsletter. Yeah. Because you, you'll find articles in there that are about look at this one. the thing you're hacking. So yeah. This, yeah, specifically how that thing's going to work. Yeah, like one of them I saw in there was about, I think it was called Redshift, the um, okay. the sound synthesizer. It, okay, the Redshift is another thing. Oh, so is it? In all the Zatron... No, all of them. The games issue. All the recent Zatronics games, he puts another game inside it <laughs> and it's kind of a thing that a maker for the... Okay, I'm probably confusing things. Anyway, there's <laughs> there's a there's a there's this fictional handheld video game console in the game called Redshift. It's basically right. a Game Boy. Okay. Oh, this thing that's on the cover. That's of on this the cover of issue two. Thing that I'm looking at now. And yeah. it's looks like a Game Boy, but it's got an extra button. Yeah. Runtime errors and how to exploit them. And um, y- you can make your own games for that console inside the game. All right. So there's a whole, uh, using the nanobots, using the same programming language you're doing to build the game, like, no, to play the game, solve the puzzles, you can use them in that Redshift console to make games. And it's 3D, apparently, because in this, in this thing, if yeah, you're number two... it includes 3D glasses on the, the cover 3D of glasses. this thing. Oh, well. It's just, they're just the red, the cellophane ones. Redshift. Yeah. And so you can make 3D games in, in, in your other game. Using mm. the fake game console. That's just put on 3D glasses. Yeah. He looks very... Uh, 1980... 1997? Yeah. What year was it again? Yeah, 97. Yeah. Wasn't 3D glasses an 80s thing? Yeah, probably. Mm. Doesn't probably... Or 70s. Yeah. But if your Game Boy was 3D, you know... That's Virtual Boy. Like Virtual Boy, yeah. <laughs> that was all red. Yeah. Various shades of red. Yeah. And black. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, what else do I say? So as a non-collector, yeah, what sort of made you want to collect? Well, not collect, but uh, purchase a physical bunch of resources for uh, a game? I don't know. It's in the game. But also I like support the developer. I want him to keep making games like this. Do you prefer to have the physical, like, book to read as you're working through the game? Um, it's about the same. <laughs> <laughs> Is it easy to bring the PDF up while you're yeah. playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I've got two monitors. If you didn't, that'd be a problem. But don't you feel it's cooler just having <clears throat> something in your hands to 
to look at. Yeah. Like a real thing. Yeah. I mean, and those stickers and the envelopes and all of that. I mean, that all of that's really cool. It's, this is all part of the experience, I think. It's yeah, the, that's what I mean. The the world building. It enhances the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we're learning is that um, people want different things and some people want a more physical experience. Mm. Like, it seems like we've gone through this phase where, you know, as game developers, they tried to focus on what the audience wants and they're honed in on the biggest elements that people wanted, which I think were things like online multiplayer experiences yeah. and access and to games and media. Hammered those and to try and obviously increase sales and the bottom line, mm. you know, event and, and, but now they're starting to learn that there's all these other markets that are being neglected because of the laser focus on, you know, the most desirable things from the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. And um, I think things like this are finding those markets. Uh, and that's really cool. Yeah. I guess it is, you know, indie games that are going to get there. Um, yeah. I hope that didn't damage it. That's okay. Actually, <laughs> there was already a bit of a crush thing. The the condition I bought this, they had actually sold them all out. Ah. Oh. Because I've come to this, the game is like six months old. Yeah. And so when I asked, he's like, oh, they're all sold. I've only got some that were returned and there's, and there's some light damage on the envelope. So that's all. Ah, what. right. Fair enough. Cool. It looks like it's a bit used. Yeah. But yeah, that's fine. Nothing wrong with a bit of patina that's pretty on, cool. on yeah. games. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I want to, makes me want to, I want to get that game. I want to play it. But yeah, and I guess as I said before, this is why the Opus Magnum thing keeps, it's it's been in my mind because yeah. I want to play it. Yeah. I just don't think I really have time for it. Mm. <laughs> and also just because of the learning that's involved, but it looks really There's fun and rewarding. The, I mean, these programming ones have a lot of learning if you don't already know programming, but yeah. Opus Magnum doesn't. That's, right, it's the easiest of the recent ones to start on because yeah. it's all visual. You're just right. doing the things. Mm, that's interesting. Mm. Yes. Cool. So you physically, like, you're actually typing in all the code. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, and okay, so this one, the pre, like Shenzhen I and TIS one hundred are much closer to assembly language. Yep. You know, well, they are. They, you know, some kind of replica. But this yeah. one is a bit. It kind of yes, but it's also not identifiably assembly. Yeah, it's pretty close though. So they've changed things up a little bit. Mm. Mm. Cool. It's awesome. basically the same kind of, kind of game. Yeah. Same genre of game. Easily, yeah. yeah, yeah. Zack like, mm. they call it. Zack like. <laughs> yeah. Is this a new genre? Zack like. It's like post rock. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, it's that like, was a conversation like a while ago. It's like roguelike. <laughs> but roguelike is an actual yeah. genre. Yeah. I think that's why the like at the end, because roguelike. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Zach-like, because similar to Zachtronics. Yeah. Hey, There's so many ways works. you could play that. It works. Yeah. It works. You might even get stuck in the zeitgeist of you know, gaming culture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool.
Yeah. Okay. I also have show and tell. Oh. So I've got a I got a try uh, try wing screwdriver. That's like well you're showing. Yeah, it's it's actually Matt's, but so. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh. There's this funny game. Yeah. On the Commodore <clears throat> 64, I've just pulled a tape out of yeah. um or a cassette box with a tape inside of it out of my bag. There's a funny game called Vampire yeah. mm-hmm. on the Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Matt's nodding his head because he's heard me talk about this probably too many times. Well, I mean, we've discussed it. I've played this game. What makes it funny? It, I guess it's funny because it's obscure. Okay. Uh, it's the first game I fell in love with on the Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I wanted a Commodore 64. Yep. And it's funny and obscure because it's just this um, uh, released on this cheap label. Codemasters back in the day had like a budget sort of label bunch of games that mm-hmm. they released. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them. And it's just one of these throwaway cheap games. You buy it for a five, ten bucks or something like that. And most people probably would have played it a few times. I'll throw you the tape, John. Cool. And that was the end of their experience. But for me, for whatever reason, I just really, really gelled with this game. Um, and like I said, I fell in love with it. I, I had friends in school... Uh, who had this game on their Commodore 64. I didn't have a Commodore 64 at the time. And I would go to their house to play this game on their Commodore 64 to the absolute annoyance of their family because, you know, I'd stay there for far too long. <laughs> I'd be that annoying kid, you right, were that, that kid. just wouldn't go home. <laughs> and I'd sit at dinner tables with these families and have Aww. dinner with them. Yeah, because they'd be like, oh, well, Mark, do you want to stay for yeah, dinner? Yeah, we're going to have dinner. We're going to have dinner. <laughs> Um, But eventually I got my own Commodore 64 and, you know, obviously my own copy of Vampire. And to explain, Vampire is a, um, it's a single screen uh, platformer and single screen as in it's one screen, you jump around the single screen and then go through one side of the screen or, you know, up or down or left or right and you move to the next screen. And then you do the same again and you go to the next screen and so forth and so on. Um, and the idea is you as the character going through Dracula's castle, mm. um, trying to survive, because it's actually a pretty tough game, uh, to get collect certain items, keys to open doors, and then you, know, you get a, a wooden stake and a cross and so on and so forth until you meet Dracula at the end and you kill him. It says the year... 2,987. What? Hmm. That's a bit in the future, isn't it? Yeah. It doesn't make sense because it's all medieval and fantasy style. Monsters, vampires. Brock the Brave found himself on the high security planet Hawkland. His life had turned into daily routine of synthetic drugs and psychological sessions. What? (laughs) To change his behavior... And destroy his instinct of independence. <laughs> mm. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Like I said, it's kind of, uh, you know, the sort of game where they throw that story on the back of the tape box just because, you know, they don't expect anyone to buy this game or enjoy it or 
Um, <laughs> they just made a bunch of stuff up, put the game in there, and off it went. But for whatever reason, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of really fell into the whole atmosphere of it and, you know, going through this Dracula's castle and falling spikes and coffins and traps and all this kind of stuff. So forward, fast forward maybe 10 years or something like that. And I've always <laughs> wanted to... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I just had to... I just slid it to Matt across the table, but... Since I went too hard with the last one, I was going a bit lighter, but... It didn't move very far. Really, it went <laughs> about a foot. Not very far. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so me becoming a collector later on, uh, I went through a, a phase of trying to collect all of my favorite games in sealed, most pristine, new, you know, condition that mm-hmm. I can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been searching for... God knows how long for a sealed copy of Vampire. I, I still haven't been successful in that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, but in those travels, uh, finding the, the bizarre sort of backstory of the game, and that being that this was originally a Spectrum game, um, and I will reveal my second part of my show. <laughs> And this Spectrum game was called Phantomus. Oh. I've thrown another tape John's way. Phantomus 2 in particular. I wonder if this is also about Brock. No, it's not. It's a different character. Oh. There's... Looks like French on the back? It's Spanish. Oh. So the weird thing about this is that, you know, there's not too much interesting about Phantomus the game. It's just what it was originally produced as and then vampire is the commodore 64 conversion they sort of rejigged it a bit changed the character put in a stupid storyline um to mission de milia des this bird of meldelvo conde dracula exactly <laughs> that's what i was going to say <laughs> um and yeah so this was released on the spectrum but the interesting backstory to to the game is that uh, this was programmed by a kid who was about 16 years old. Wow. Um, and his friend, who was also around 16 years old, coded a game that became Phantomus 1. So both of these games aren't related to each other story-wise. They're just two games that these two uh. kids made in their bedrooms. Then they got released by the publisher as Phantomus 1 and 2. Yep. Um, but the kid who made Phantomus 2, which later became Vampire... Mm-hmm. He got killed. Oh. At about 17 years of age, he got run over by a bus. Oh. Yeah. It's a bit of a sad, strange story Mm. that this kid in Spain made this game that, for whatever reason, connected with me on the Commodore 64. Yeah, he got killed as Mm. a kid. He never had an actual life. Mm. Um, Wow. So anyway, uh, going through my... Twitter feed, as one does. I um, I saw this tweet that was retweeted from someone I can't remember. This this uh, guy in Spain talking in Spanish. Obviously, mm-hmm. I don't understand it. But it had this animated GIF of what looked like vampire, but sort of different graphics and yeah. stuff like that. And I looked at it, and it was this sort of remake 
of Phantomus 2 called Phantomus 2.0. Okay. Oh, that's really weird. Why would anyone make a remake of a game that no one really knows about or cares about? Yep. And I just ignored it. I scrolled on. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. People make remakes of games all the time. Yep. And then a couple of weeks later, scrolling through my Twitter feed again as I do, and came across this picture of uh, this guy who's making this game a physical version mm. of the game. And I'm like, oh, there's a physical version of the game. That's that's a little bit more interesting to me. Yeah. Um, so I contacted the guy over Twitter. He doesn't speak English, so it was this really weird conversation. Um, I couldn't quite understand whether this was a something he is making as a product. Yeah. Or it's something he just did as a one-off. Yeah. Um, like a hobby project. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or whether there's a release date or whether it's already released. Yeah. None of this was really understood, but he, but from what I could understand, he said, I'm happy to send you one. Yeah. Um, you know, this is how much it costs, blah, blah. Yeah. I said, yeah, that's cool. I sent him the money. And then um, a few weeks or so later, it arrived. And this is the next part of the show. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's still in here. So, do you think he's just a fan of the game? I think so. Wow. But this is um, this is like what you'd describe as a big box PC sort yeah. of uh, thing. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a big thing. It's it's got a flip open front cover. Yep. Cardboard box. Cardboard box. You open it up, and uh, inside it's got a tape. Yep. Wow. Cool. Um, it's got a USB stick and a 3.5-inch floppy disk. So that would be the same game. It's the same game. So what what turned out happening, and again, it was I couldn't I didn't understand yeah. the conversation, but this is a a remake on the Amstrad. Okay. So this game on the USB stick, I'm assuming you use to play on your PC in an emulator. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what the 3.5-inch disk does. Yep. Um, the tape is obviously for the Amstrad. Yep. How much, like, in terms of megabytes, how much can a tape hold? Uh, it wouldn't be a megabyte. Oh, really? No. Okay. Yeah, that's something I've never been aware of at all. So would it be the capacity... But the capacity is more than a 3.5-inch floppy, right? A 3.5-inch floppy is, what, 1.4 meg? The PC ones are, yeah. Yeah, a five and a quarter disc is the high density ones are one 1.2 meg. Right. But again, that's like the PC format. So that that can vary mm. a bunch and like on Commodore it's not the same as the PC. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd assume a tape would be less than a meg. Yeah. Well, wow. I, I always thought it I've heard the number, but more. I don't remember exactly. It's not very big. That's right. I thought it might be more like ten meg or something. No. But no. Yeah. Well, like these cassette tapes is what we're talking about. Yeah. If yeah. there's something the same size as like a modern like a real backup tape thing. for for you know commercial yeah. piece, you know, right? Mm. Backup. They probably do like gigs on something. Yeah. Right. Do, right. Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay. Um, but yeah, it comes with this big sort of instruction manual with you know really nice illustrations and. And I imagine it's all in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. That looks really cool. Reminds me of the old Diablo manual. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, similar sort of art style as well. And it's sort of like a just a, a flyer. Yep. 
a poster mm-hmm. and something that's just ridiculous. This wax sealed. Yeah. Huh. Like it's an actual wax stamped yeah, seal. That's cool. I've already ripped it off. But, yeah. Um, map. So you open it up and it's an actual map of the entire entire game with all the items sort of shown and wow, stuff cool. like that. So huh. this is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Not only because it's just a completely obscure game and who's going to make all this stuff for such an obscure game, but... um. I mean, the amount of work that's gone into producing this stuff. Yep. And I've since found out this is all custom built by this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's he's never produced, say, 100 copies to sell. Yeah. He's just produced them for people who want them. Yep. Um, so, yeah. That's I, awesome. Yeah. So, this giant physical production of a game that's just bizarrely something that I fell in love with. Yep. Um, and then following on from that, realizing that, you know, the, the kid who made the game is from Spain. Mm. For whatever reason, this person who produced this physical copy is from Spain. Mm. I thought, well, why don't I look on Spanish eBay to see what's available, to see whether I can get a sealed copy of, you know, Phantomus or whatever. Yeah. And immediately came across a sealed copy of Phantomus uh. too. So I grabbed that as well. And again, I went through the same thing. He didn't understand... English. Yep. I didn't understand Spanish, obviously. Yep. This is the person selling on eBay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it got a bit weird at some stage because I don't I don't know the the laws in Spain, but uh, I had to provide a citizen ID. Oh. Yeah. Because that's apparently a thing in okay. Spain. Yeah. And I said, oh, I don't have one. But yeah. he didn't understand that answer. Yeah. He just said, I, I need this thing. And, you know, the courier is coming in a couple of days. If I don't have that thing, then... Did he know you were Australian? Yeah. Yeah. And I ended up looking on Wikipedia and, uh, yeah, apparently a, a national citizen ID is a thing in some countries, like mm. a social security number and all oh. that kind of stuff. Mm. But in Australia, as we know, we don't have one. Mm. So what's often used uh, instead is like a license number or a passport number. Yeah. So I, so I gave him my license number and I said, this is the best I've got. Yeah. And I didn't hear anything for a while. And mm. he, he got a little bit angry and he replied to me and said, I really need this number if I don't get it. Mm. And it just turned out he didn't expect me to reply to his email as opposed to sending a comment through eBay. And right. Anyway, we worked all that out. Yeah. eBay can be really confusing like that. Yeah. Especially when it's you're dealing with languages you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but at any point, was he like, why are you on eBay Spain or something? <laughs> I think he did say something in that regard and he said something like he's really happy to see another fan. And Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, but again, it was really hard to understand mm. everything. I think we're both using Google Translate. Right. So. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, eventually, just a couple of weeks ago, I got that sealed copy of Phantomus arriving, so that's really exciting. And then cool. also got a... Um, is the next bit here. Oh, wow. <laughs> is a clamshell version of Phantomus, oh. which is apparently the very first release of the game. Yep. It was only released in Spain. They're actually really rare. Mm. Um, and it just so happened when I was looking, there was one there, and so I grabbed it and again went same through this whole process of other languages yep. and blah, blah, blah. So it seems so, like it was more popular in Spain, but... Mm. 
but also seems like, did you get the sense from him that it still wasn't a hugely popular game? I th- yeah. 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 I mean, although it has to be because there's this physical remake. I mean, who mm. makes a remake of a game that's not popular? Well, I mean, one thing I think that's worth thinking about is these days printing is not as difficult as it maybe was in the past. He could be someone who works at a design, you know, design and printing company and he's just done it as a passion project yeah, and he's able to use thing. the, you know, printers there mm. to do it. Um, yeah, it's really just about having the means and the will, right, to mm. do it. So yeah, that's right. it might just be one of those situations where, you know, everything's lined up and mm. he's a, he's done it. Mm. That, I mean, that's the sort of thing, you know, when we were talking about doing reproductions and stuff, I'd, I'd love to be able to do stuff like that. Mm. Not necessarily to recreate what has been, but to just, yeah, make something cool out of the things that I love, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Um, but, yeah, need the, the means and the will. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the passion and the drive and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, just a weird story. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know how all these stars and moons aligned, but they did and, yeah, ended up with these really cool sort of strange, obscure copies of the game that I loved. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of really cool. Yeah, that is cool. Mm. So there you go. Mm. Matt's having a look at the map. Yeah, if only had this map like back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty huge game, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's a single screen, move to the next screen sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, that's the sort of game where you need those maps to understand where each item is and where to go. Yeah. So I played Could it a bunch, never finished it. Um, is this a sort of precursor to Castlevania? Because it sounds very Castlevania-like. It's really just running and jumping. Yeah, there's no attacking or anything like that. Right. Um, do you defeat Dracula in the end? You do, in a really weird kind of way. <laughs> so, Like a defeating Bowser kind of way? No, so, yeah, it's, it's really odd. So you go through the game collecting keys to get to other areas of the game, to get to items you need to take to Dracula to, to kill him, right? And eventually you do all of that, which is very difficult. Mm. And you get up, go all the way back up because it's kind of a, you can go wherever you like. Yeah. It's only the keys and doors that are stopping you going to certain places. But eventually when you got it all, you go all the way up to the top of the castle. And uh, in the one screen, it's just got this giant flashing coffin. It's almost the size of the screen. Mm. You jump into this coffin and then you're suddenly just transported to space and you're <laughs> floating around shooting lasers at uh, spiky balls. Oh. Is that on the okay. map? No, because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, really bizarre. And you're just trying to survive shooting these spiky balls until the heart appears and then you shoot the heart and then that's the end of the game. So I'm not saying it's ever really made any sense, but yeah. I've always just enjoyed it for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So. 
There you go. We've all, well, some of us have brought show and tell with physical copies. <laughs> Next time, John will as well. <laughs> if you have something physical to show. Besides Michael Andretti racing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> thanks for that. That's all right. For the readers, it I does have look a, good, actually. I have a duplicate Michael Andretti. Is it Michael? Mario. Mario Andretti. <laughs> racing on the Mega Drive. So I've given it to John. It's got Sprint, Michael Stock, Andretti. and Indy cars. All the things you want. Yeah. Well, that might wrap us up. Mm-hmm. We done? I think so. All righty. So thanks for listening to Game the System podcast. If you would like to contact us, the best way to do that is on Game the System forums at gamethesystem.co. You can also reach out to us via email at feedback at gamethesystem.co. You can reach me on Twitter at MarksTweet. That's at M-A-R-C-S underscore tweet. John twitches over at twitch.tv slash Wago, H-W-A-Y-G-O. Matt is somewhere out there in the steamy cloud. Yeah. <laughs> existing. How do you solve a problem like that? <laughs> and with that, we will say goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye.